Right. So, Jen, I have another joke for you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. What do you call a happy cowboy? A happy cowboy. Um, not a cowboy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> a jolly rancher. A jolly rancher. That's funny. I figure I'll keep those going for a road trip series. Welcome to Talk With History. I'm your host, Scott, here with my wife and historian, Jen. Hello. On this podcast, we give you insights to our history-inspired world travels, YouTube channel journey, and examine history through deeper conversations with the curious, the explorers, and the history lovers out there. Before we get into the main topic that I know you guys are anxious to kind of hear about, um, I do want to call out another, uh, it looks like an updated review from a friend of ours, uh, Doug McLiberty. Great podcast on the Lincoln conspiracy trial. He was a big fan of this, that episode, our mm-hmm. episode a couple couple podcasts ago. He said, thank you for another great episode. You can always teach me something new. I want the, I watched the 2010 movie Conspirator and it was wonderful. Never would have known about it without your podcast. So we, if folks remember and they had listened to us talk about Grant Hall, mm-hmm. we talk about the movie Conspirator. You, you talk about it. I haven't seen it, but you've yeah. seen it and you kind of spoke highly of it. And there's a couple of people even on Instagram that said it was pretty good. Yeah. It really centers on Mary Surratt. Uh, Robin Wright Penn plays her. Robin Wright plays her, and uh, yeah, it's directed by Robert Redford. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. So that was that's fun. I, it's always fun to hear uh, from folks who are listening to the podcast. We love getting those reviews because that's kind of the best form of feedback that we can get, and it really does help us grow. Yes. Like, one day, I hope to get that podcast featured on some new and upcoming, you know, Apple podcast section. It's very difficult to do, but podcasts really do help that. So if you listen, we really do appreciate um, the, the reviews either here or on Spotify. I think Spotify, it's just stars. There's no real comments, but thank you for the reviews out there. Thank you so much. Buffalo Bill Cody was a legendary American frontiersman, a showman, an entrepreneur who became famous for his Wild West shows showcasing the romanticized image of the American West. His larger-than-life persona and captivating performances made him a cultural icon of the late 19th century, leaving a lasting legacy as an emblem of American frontier spirit. And while many of us only remember Cody for his traveling Wild West show that entertained crowds all over the world, don't forget that Buffalo Bill Cody was also the real deal. So, Jen, let's talk a little bit about this legendary Western frontiersman, Buffalo Bill Cody. So where are we starting with him today? Well, we went to visit his museum and grave outside of Denver, Colorado, in Golden, Colorado. And uh, he's on Lookout Mountain, and the address is Lookout Mountain Road. And we went out there because Buffalo Bill Cody, if you're a fan of any Westerns, even today, if you like 1883, if you like Yellowstone, if you like Longmire or anything that even like centers around the, uh, the, the Western, you, it might even Mandalorian might even be a good, yeah, because it's like a modern day yeah, Western. Very much so. You have Buffalo Bill Cody to thank for this. And you might be like, well, Why? It's because he made this transition from the real West to 
entertaining people about stories of the West. Yeah, and when you say the real West, and in the video that we made and we put out, and it's it's doing decently because people mm-hmm. are interested in that Western history. I mean, he he was out there doing it, the Pony Express, yes. and shooting buffalo yes. and and scouting and all. So like this transitional time of the West. That's right. So basically, this territorial Western expansion. This whole um, people settling, homesteading, he's pinnacle in this entire time. So Cody is born in 1846 in Iowa, and his father is from Canada. His mother is a Quaker, and they don't believe that he was raised that way, but he's the only boy in their family, his four sisters. And they moved to Kansas when he's seven years old. Again, his father has very much of this entrepreneur kind of spirit, the settler kind of spirit. And in Kansas, it's an area at the time when you think he's moving there in the 1850s where Kansas is under turmoil of whether it's going to be a free state or an, a slave state. That's right. You talked a little bit about bleeding Kansas. Bleeding Kansas. This is fight in the state because there are some people who want it to be a slave state so they can have free labor and start the farming with free labor. And there's some people who want it to be a free state because enslavement is wrong and you can pay your, your laborers, which are usually, you know, your poor whites, you can pay them instead of using enslaved labor. And so Cody's father is on the side of uh, anti-slavery and he goes to a rally where he basically insults people who are pro-slavery and somebody's in the crowd with a bowie knife and stabs him twice. Now he doesn't die at that moment, but he will succumb to those injuries later in life. So he, uh, Cody becomes the man of the house when he's 11 years old. Yeah. So his father will die when he's 11. And so what does Cody do? I mean, he's in Kansas. He has a mother and four sisters. He does what his father did. He helps with this expansion and so people who usually took an Oregon trail or were trail runners you know across America needed protection they needed horses they just needed help they needed help so at 11 years old he became what they call a horse runner which not only are you getting horses but you're running messages from the person in the very front of the wagon train to the person at the very back of the wagon train and you're kind of helping the people who this is their business of getting these wagon trains out there so and and think about it like i mean for that kind of role what what better role for you know an 11 12 13 year old Mm -hmm. kid yeah you know with all this energy yeah exactly (laughs) becoming a young man yeah and early on he's proven to be a very accurate shooter uh he's very accurate accurate with his rifle so they notice this about him from a young age that he can shoot game and uh, he can help feed people and he doesn't take a lot of waste bullets. And so it's not long before they also see his uh, advantage. At about 15, 16, he becomes a, a Pony Express rider. So again, the same kind of business model, the same kind of men are trying to run messages, right? Same thing, the male, and, and here's someone who's proven themselves on the wagon train to yeah, run messages. An experienced rider can take care of himself. And accurate with a rifle. And so they use him, a, a kind of a precursor to the Pony Express. He does some trails along the Pony Express, but even before the Pony Express. So he's one of those very like front runners, right? So the real deal, we talked about this. 
And um, and so this is 1860 when he's really working for the Pony Express. He's 16 years old. So when you think the Civil War is about to start, he's too young yeah. to really join the That's Civil right. War. Yeah. So he, you don't really see him in the Civil War till 1863. Yeah, till later. When he's 18, 19 years old. And he becomes a scout. Yep. Just like um, what he will do later in life. A scout. Go out in front scout out the area where's the enemy he can get in get out he's very he lives off the land he's a frontiersman he's very good at like hiding his track yeah i mean if you think about it for for any general or you know unit that Mm -hmm. is kind of looking for someone like that he's plug and play yeah right that he comes in he's like i'm gonna he fought for the union side Mm -hmm. right so he comes into this unit and they're like oh you're you do this that and the other he's like yeah i can be a scout great go you know scout over here and tell us what you see and does it no issues right yeah. and if you're successful then leadership is like perfect this is all you're going to do yes and uh, you know he doesn't wear the uniform because he's wearing his like raw you know his raw hide like he's wearing his like skins and stuff because he's just a man of the land and this is where he meets hickok for the first time oh he meets him in the yeah in the army in the army and hickok's nine years older than him and hickok is also a scout so hickok is also very good at this again frontiersman good at living off the land, you know, hunting people, knowing where people are. And so they become friends. And uh, it's during this time, right after the Civil War, that uh, he is hired by the Kansas Pacific Railroad in 1866 to hunt buffalo for the railroad. So he becomes a military scout on the side as they venture out into the West Think of Custer and everyone who's kind of venturing out sure. after the Civil War. And he helps feed the railroad. So they're trying to build a railroad across uh, the United States to and, connect. And this is, this is where he earns his name because he's so good at what he does. Yes. Between 1867 and 1868, he kills over 4,000 buffalo. That's crazy. And he's actually, um, he's somebody challenges him to see who can kill more buffalo. And he beats that person by 10. And the reason why is because a lot of people hunted buffalo from the back of the herd, scaring the herd, and then whoever the the, the low, you know, the slower ones is the one they would kill. Cody goes out in front oh, really? and hits the herd from the front. And then it kind of pushes them to the side where he can just shoot alongside of as them. As they're walking, as they're trying As by. they're running by. So he can hit them and he just goes back and gets them. That seems like a much more dangerous way to hunt buffalo. It's a very dangerous <laughs> way to hunt buffalo. And if you see in our video, first of all, we stand by a stuffed buffalo. So you can see how big they are. Huge. Plus buffalo charge. Yep. They're just like bulls. So when you think of a bull that's going to charge you with their horns, a buffalo will charge you when they're scared. Uh Listen up, you know, Sam, uh, yeah. Yellowstone what, what, what visitors. All, what do all the t-shirts say? Don't don't pet the fluffy cows. Don't pet the fluffy cows. That's right. Buffaloes charge, and so um, so he has to ride basically alongside of them and shoot them. And again, he's accurate. You have to get close to get through a buffalo hide, and it's basically like shooting a deer under the sh- under the shoulder. Um, but he's so accurate at it. And he also favors. I, I read instead of like a quick action kind of. Weapon, he favors like a bigger barreled weapon. Oh, so he does want the, the get it, get him with the one shot mm-hmm. rather than needing yeah. two or something like that. He knows he's very accurate, yeah. So, uh, so th- and again, he's he's so good, he gets paid a lot of money for this. He's able to support his family this whole time. He does become man of the house and takes care of his family, and um, and he's paid a lot of money to kill these buffalo to feed the railroad workers. And he's very good about 
taking care of people who work for him. So anyone who's helping him, he's also um, compensating them. And, and now I think he even said in the video a little bit later in life, he actually expresses regret for killing so many buffalo. He does because, I mean, at the time, there was a lot of buffalo on the plains. But in these years from the 1860s to the 1880s to the 1890s, you're going to pretty much decimate the buffalo bison population yeah. and almost to extinction. That's crazy in just a couple years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and there's this twofold. There's a lot of thoughts about that the military did it on purpose to wipe out the food source for the American Indians. Mm. And so they would just kill buffalo. But Cody ate the buffalo. And so he felt bad in the when it eventually came to the point where they, you know, you're down to a couple hundred Buffalo left and thank God, you know, there were these people who protected them and they now today, you know, even the, the herds are reestablished, but uh, he did feel bad about that because he did appreciate, you know, what the Buffalo was. Yeah. And the, the museum we visited, right. And I guess that's kind of what this video is kind of predicated on. We were up there, you know, in Denver visiting mm-hmm. friends went up to Golden, which is just outside of Denver, mm-hmm. up and up in the hills of Lookout Mountain. We went up to the, to the museum, and the museum does a really good job of taking you through his life and through these different stages of his life and really showcasing, you know, how he was, you know, where he came from, how he was the real deal, and then what he did transitioning into kind of the show business. Yes. It was great. And I think, you know, so the museum is starts in 1921. So Cody dies in 1917. So when you really think the museum starts four years after his death. Oh, wow. I don't think I realized that. It's very accurate then yeah. in a portrayal because they get a lot of artifacts right away. As you know, the, his his show coat is there. They got a piece of some Sitting Bowl. They have a headdress from Sitting Bowl yeah, there. I mean, he was living there. He was, I mean, that's the area where mm-hmm. he was living at the time. Yeah, they have his Medal of Honor there. So the story is pretty seamless after he passes to tell the story. But I think that the museum does a good job of is showing you that Buffalo Bill Cody is not just a story. He's not just a character. He is this person who did do these things during this time in American history of the West and then transitioned to the show of it. Yeah, and, and kind of telling his story numerous times, which when you tell a story enough times, even I... You know, you and I embellish stories yes. time after time after yes. time after time. And someone like that, when that's your business for many mm-hmm. years after getting out of the business of being a scout and, you know, hunting buffalo and all that stuff, like things are, t- you know, will tend to get a little bit more grandiose. Sure. I mean, you can imagine Sitting Bull wore his headdress for every show, right? A chief is not going to wear his headdress right. every day, all day, right? But he's going to wear it for every show because it's a very, it's a, it's a piece. Like it's a very flamboyant uh, piece of their costume but um, in 1868 he goes back into the military so he's he's taking a he's, sh- he's shooting for the buffalo he goes back into the military in 1868 because this is when they start scouting out for the Indian reservations yeah. this is when they start the Indian war so if you think of the Fort Laramie Treaty of 1868 this is the time when Cody's coming back into military service and this is when he actually gets his Medal of Honor and he gets his Medal of Honor because this is the time when there is a lot of you know uproar instability between the white settlers and the American Indians who are being pushed off their land plus the American Indians of tribes are being pushed together that don't want to be together and this is what happens in Bighorn and so the Indian tribes want their own spaces as well they want to be their own autonomous groups and so you get a lot of this 
back and forth, of, you know, massacring this settlement, massacring this American Indian tribe, massacring this settlement. So Cody is brought in to help stop some of that and again to scout that out. And he ends up killing some uh, American Indians who were there to kill him. And he ends up, and I think he takes out 12. He, he's oh, with wow. two other men. They take out 12. And so he gets the Medal of Honor for this. Now, the Medal of Honor was taken away because of this. And then it was reinstated in the late 90s. Because yeah, I, I think what I read when I was putting the video together was because he because he was a scout, so technically a civilian, mm-hmm. they reviewed these Medal of Honors, I think, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 years after the fact or something like yes. that. And so there was a few scouts that actually had their, there was, there's a couple others like yes, him that had medal, medals of honor. They were removed. And then what was it? 19, it was when Reagan. Yeah. I think it was Cody's like great grandson or someone who knew who's, who made a petition to a Senator in Wyoming and the Senator in Wyoming went to the white house, the white house. I mean, it probably was Reagan. I'm pretty sure it was Reagan. Cause it was like, and he was like, give him back. And, and of course Reagan would be like, yeah, give him the <laughs> medals of honor, honor back. But they actually, they, they did kind of re award them yes, um, yes. to them. So that was kind of, so I say this because it's in 1869 at 23 years old that he's going to meet Ned Buntline. So this is pretty significant. Ned Buntline is the writer, is the reporter who sees these great Western stories and wants to put them in um, the Chicago Weekly News. He wants to put them in the New York Weekly. He he wants to write these stories. And the dime novels. The dime novels. And Cody is the perfect uh character is the perfect person to write almost unbelievable yes to write what what he's done these stories about and so he writes this really good uh book called buffalo bill king of the bordermen so you know like the border and so and he writes this book and what's great about cody is the same year in december of 1872 he is um goes to chicago and performs this on the stage tells the story he's able to sit and read the story and then like you said he probably embellishes or stands up so you read the story enough times you don't need to read it anymore and then he kind of know and so people love this theatric of learning about the wild west from a man who really did these things in the wild and i i think it was ned buttline who technically like gave him kind of cemented his name as Buffalo Bill. Yes, yes. I mean, because it was a good nickname. Yes, it's kind of perfect, you know, mnemonic, easy to remember. And so from there, I think, if I remember right, Ned Buntline wrote a few of these, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of wrote some more because they got popular. And then that's when... That was the early stages of kind of the this tran- transition. So this is like the 1870s. And he's going to invite Hickok to join him. He wants to invite a lot of his friends to join him because it helps tell the story. Plus, he's like, look at what we can do. The West is getting settled. And there's now, you know, let's, let's see if we can um, not only educate people about the West, but maybe we can use what we've learned and make some money off of it. But Hickok hates it. Hickok hates standing in front of people. He hides behind the scenery. He actually shot a, 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 a spotlight that was on him. He shot it. And so Cody sees right away, okay, maybe this isn't for you. Yeah, well, and, and like, that that's funny. I hadn't heard that that mm-hmm. bit about, you know, shooting the spotlight that's on him. But, you know, there's a, 
a lot of these men who were living out in the West for such a long time, I mean, true frontiersmen, yeah. just kind of out on their own or maybe with friends or, you know, riding with a wagon train or something like that, being in a situation like that where all of a sudden now you're transported into constant crowds, I can see how that would just be overwhelming for someone who was yeah. never around used to so that. many people. Exactly. And you have a lot of freedom to act how you want to act. And now you kind of have to have a little more decorum. Um, yeah, and this is where Buffalo Bill Cody really stands out. Stands out. So this is of 1880, and 1883, he's going to found the Buffalo Bill Wild West show. And this, think of this as like a circus. Think of this like a circus, but with the West as the story. And that's when he's going to hire Annie Oakley and Sitting Bull, and he does this... Um, a couple years later, he'll do this Wild West and the Congress of Rough Riders of the World. So he he wants to showcase cowboys of the world and and who are these Rough Riders? Who are these these lawmen or anti lawmen of a, of a you know all across the globe? It was really neat in the museum you know, that was up on Looking Mountain, just out outside of of Golden. In the museum, they have a bunch of those old posters, yes. right and. They, one of the things they said in there was that at, at, at certain points throughout his kind of showmanship career, Buffalo Bill Cody was so famous that all the poster said was, I am coming. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And people knew what he looked like and they knew what that meant. That's how, that's how famous his show was. And one of the things that I really enjoyed, and you pointed it out well when you start talking a little bit about diversity and, and kind of, you know, he wants equality for all the people in his show and everything like that. Mm-hmm was all these posters are not just a bunch of white cowboys, nope. right? It's gauchos down from yeah. Mexico and Arabic writers yeah. and women and Indian. His you know. Mongols, like people yeah, from it was, Mongolia. It was really neat. So I can, mm-hmm. I can only imagine, and they do have very late footage. I show in the video that like 1908 yes. type footage. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have like elephants in the show. Yeah. So this is people's taste of the world, right? right? So we talked about the circus before on one of our episodes when we talked about Dan Rice and how this is how people of America before radio, before uh, television, get a taste of what's out there. And here he is bringing it to you. He's bringing not only the West of America, but he's bringing all these different kind of cowboys of the world so you get a taste of elephants you get a taste of seeing people from different countries and Cody it's important to Cody again from a young age to share the wealth so he makes sure people are paid equally women are paid equally people of color are paid equally and I know someone had commented well Cody doesn't care about diversity that's a today thing it's it's before that this is a precursor to that he's not interested in diversity he's interested in people and Equality. And- yeah, it, I mean, they may not have called it that, mm-hmm. but he would have said like, "Hey, the, you know, these people are in my show. I'm not going to not pay people, yeah. right? Just because they're different than me, or because Sitting Bull was a Native American, mm-hmm. or something like that." So, and I also think this is also smart businessman because you're going to get a good performance out of people if people are being paid absolutely and they have job satisfaction right we talk about this all the time you have job satisfaction you're going to put on a good show and that's the most important thing and what this museum has that i love are these colorful posters these propaganda posters just like the circus that would come into town before you would come into town and they're larger than life and cody traveled 
the world. Yeah, I mean, legitimately the world. Didn't he like, didn't he perform like in the Colosseum in Rome? Yes, and he performed for Queen Victoria. That's crazy. He, it was amazing. He would go, he went over to Europe. He performed for Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria gave him a desk. Like Mark Twain was jealous of how much popularity Buffalo Bill Cody had. And you can think of Mark Twain, who was well known. Cody was known by everybody. And he brought the show everywhere. He traveled. There's a book there at the museum. And you can look to see if your town I didn't didn't get a chance to look through it. But he came to every town we've been in with the military. He has been there. Wow. And that was pretty interesting. Now, there are some states that aren't states at the time. Sure. But you can look and see if he came to like the territory, maybe where you live. But Cody, and I'm not talking just once to these cities. Like he's been there a couple times. So this show was a consistent traveling show and pretty much like a circus, probably doing two days, moving on, two days, moving on. And the, and it would kind of travel before you, before you know, everybody who was the show, the showcasers would get there. So, uh, yeah, he was very, very popular. And again, um, just really making a name for himself all over and traveling all over. And then, you know, as he gets a little later in life, that's when you see, start to see the movie films. Of yes, him. that that was fun. And because and I actually wasn't expecting to be able to find that. But when we, when we were in the museum, they actually have some stuff playing on a loop. Because um, if you think about it was some of our other videos, we talk about the World's Fairs. Right. And so that's the very early 1900s, 1901, two, three, four, right. When they have, you know, photographs are becoming more used and then all of a sudden they start figuring out basic, basic video film. Sure. And so so they start filming some of the shows. It's uh, Edison Studios invited Buffalo Bill and his show to be filmed in the early silent film called Buffalo Bill. And that's actually when I, where I found the clips, it was, it's labeled as such. Yes. And, you know, he was part of the World's Fair in Chicago. He meets the Pope. He made he met Queen Victoria. Mark Twain commented, it's often said on the other side of the water that none of the exhibitions which we send to England are purely and distinctly American. If you will take the Wild West show over there, you can remove that reproach. That's what he said. Interesting. So the Wild West brought a foreign, exotic foreign world to life for its European audiences. It gave him a glimpse of the fading American frontier. And that's interesting because what you're going to get in return at the time is you get Dickens, who wants to come to the West, and you get Oscar Wilde, who wants to come to the West. Because this is a fading American frontier. But they're learning about it from Cody. Yeah. So Cody is bringing it to all these places around the world like this is what america is basically overcoming the, the wildness of it and uh and people want to see it before it goes away yeah and and one of the things that i found interesting kind of as as buffalo bill cody i mean he had his show for quite some time mm-hmm. and made tons of money but he was not the best businessman he no. kept trying to invest his money yeah. Afterwards, and just not being successful, he tried to retire once or twice. Yeah, so he tried to buy a ranch in Nebraska that was unsuccessful. He tried Cody, Wyoming. Okay. Right, so he establishes Cody, Wyoming, and he tries to bring water up there, and he tries to, you know, uh, just establish a life up there. And again, then he starts to see it being exploited. He starts to see the people coming in and taking the coal and things like that. So one thing for Cody, I think he sees is he starts to really see uh, appreciation for the Western culture, but he sees it change dramatically 
during his life. Yeah. So he he sees the West one way, he lives the West one way, and then it completely changes during his lifetime. I mean, that that really is a a massive shifting point for the country, right? Mm -hmm. Think about he lived through the Civil War. Yeah. And then he lived through, you know, the turn of the century. And that's that the turn of the century really is kind of that that newer industrial revolution for for the U.S. You know, and he, he passes away just before World War One. Yeah, his show is basically sold off. Uh, he he again, it's it's a circus. It's a and so you're basically, I would think you're basically just breaking even because you're paying people, you're moving things, you're kind of keeping up with the times, and then just you know, it's hard to make a profit. And so his show is sold off. He goes bankrupt. He's sold off. He has to perform in some shows as part of his uh, contract. And then he just gets sick. And it's this is later in life. Later in life. Yeah. And so in 1917, he he's told at the beginning of the of the year, he's told he has two weeks to live. And he's in Colorado. So he makes it to his sister's house in Denver, Colorado. And there's an Instagram of me going to the house. It's at 2932 Lafayette Street in Denver. It's still there. And he makes it to his sister's house where he dies January 10th of 1917. And he gets uh, baptized the day before he dies. And uh, he's with his wife. Uh, his, and, and it was like there was a massive crowd that came to his funeral. Sure. Yeah. Well, he um, again, this is January. So he goes into the rotunda at the Capitol. He's friends with the governor of Colorado. And, the, you know, people have really appreciated what he meant to the West. And so 25,000 people will visit him lying in state in the rotunda. And then, of course, they're going to wait to bury him because it's winter yeah, the ground's frozen. in Colorado. But on his deathbed, he tells his wife that he wants to be buried at Overlook Mountain. Uh, most people thought he was going to be buried in Cody, Wyoming, his namesake. But uh, he he says to her he wants that. And other people heard him say it, too. And because of that, when she buries him on June 3rd, 1917, she will open his coffin because people will be complaining. Why is he being buried here? I thought it was supposed to be Cody. And she goes, this is what he wanted. These were his last wishes. His sister will pick out the plot area and look out mountain. And then he's buried there. And his um, his wife will join him four years later in 1921. So they're buried side by side. And it's after she's buried there that this whole controversy around Cody, Wyoming really picks up. Oh, just because she's gone. and She's gone and no one can really confirm what yeah. he said. And then his daughter chooses to be buried in Cody, Wyoming. Oh, interesting. And she's a real proponent of my dad wanted to be buried in Cody, Wyoming. So Cody, Wyoming plays these games of uh, we'll pay anybody $10,000 to dig up his body and bring it back to Cody, Wyoming. And there's claims that somebody did do it and he's buried on the mountain there in Cody, Wyoming. But if you go to the grave and look out mountain, he's buried under concrete and he's buried around a fence. So there is no reason to believe that his body isn't still there in, um, at Lookout Mountain. But again, that just speaks to the popularity of, of how popular it was. He, even at the time, he was such a massive draw and so publicly well-known. Yeah, I mean, there's arguments to say that he was the most famous person in, at the turn of the 20th century. Yeah. Um, so there's 80,000 visitors will visit the Buffalo Bill Museum and Grave in Golden, Colorado. I will say that um, 
The kids loved it. Oh, it was it was such a good museum. If you're in that area, you you need to go up there. It's not far no. out, outside of Golden. It's you don't even know you're really outside of Denver. Yeah. And you have a beautiful lookout. A great picture uh, spot, great picturesque location. I kept finding like engagement photos online. Every time I was trying to look for, for photos, I kept finding there's all these couples that get engaged. It's there. so beautiful. And the kids, so they have like fake horses that the kids can ride and they have cowboy hats that you can put on and wear. And so the kids really had a great time. And I don't know if they quite appreciated who Buffalo Bill Cody was, but they appreciated being able to play with all those things in the museum. So yeah. that's really great for kids. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they did a really good job. It was it was very fun to do. And I so enjoyed going out there, not just because we were west and closer to kind of you know, where my roots are, mm-hmm. um, but also because we really were seeing this kind of larger than life character in, in his own museum and kind of learning about him was, at, was just fascinating. You know, I think for, for folks nowadays, if, if you ever kind of played Cowboys and Indians when you're growing up, some piece of you is, is thinking, you know, is doing that because of what Buffalo yeah. Bill Cody did. I think the biggest message you should get from Buffalo Bill Cody, and I hope we explain in this podcast, is he really went from adversary to advocate. Yeah. He really went from a person who was part of this Western expansion and saw the American Indians as an adversary and then really learned to become an advocate for all of those people who helped to make the, the American West, what it was and what it is today. Well, again, thank you for everyone who's listening to the Talk With History podcast. If you want to support the podcast, or there's a couple things that you can do. So we talk about reviews and, and, and I kind of foot stomp the reviews because they really do help and we really love just getting that feedback. But you can also support us over at talkwithhistory.com. If you want to leave like two bucks, buy us a coffee. If you want to, you know, say here's, here's five bucks. We're thinking about membership stuff in the future. I don't really know where that's going to go yet but if you want to support the show the best two ways is kind of visit the website talkwithhistory.com or share this podcast with a fellow history nerd history buff out there because we do rely on you our community to grow and we appreciate you all every day we'll talk to you next time thank you